In the morning when I leave my den, I moisturize with the tears of men. Stir my tea with a crucifix. I'm an ugly, nasty, commie bitch. In the evening when I'm on the rag, just rip up a couple of American flags. Take a nice hot bath in the blood of the rich. I'm an ugly, nasty, commie bitch. This is a sound test. Mic check. Michael. The best. Because we can. Ooh, ooh. Actually, it sounds pretty fucking great. This yeah. is still a mic check. This is a triumph. I have really good news. What? Um, I'm not as gassy today. Thank fuck. Hello. And welcome to... Doing our best. Here we are, just doing our fucking best. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm Emma, and I am knitting. She, at this point, has knitted my child a scarf and my dog a matching scarf, and I'm really proud of her. Thank you. This it's is how beautiful. I'm dealing with the overstimulation lately. It's been a lot. It has. Just overwhelmed, overexerted. Mm. Just fuck. Fuck. Do you want to share what happened at your job with your toe injury? Yes. I think that's... I mean, we just got to catch up on that because you yeah. never touched up on how your foot is. Okay, so it's doing better. For the most part, I can't really tell that there's an issue. Helpst ever sometimes when I am zooming around work and trying to focus on getting my shit done and get the fuck out of there... I do push myself too hard and I start to feel it kind of creeping back in. So I try to rest it as much as possible, which is whatever. It does still click. It does still pop. It is what it is. It doesn't hurt too bad. Um, Just wait till you're 40. I know. But I'm not in a boot, which is delightful. The whole thing, how much did I share about it in the beginning? Did I... Um, why don't you start from the beginning just in case someone didn't listen to that episode? Just kind of keep them up to date. What happened? How you hurt your foot? Perfect. It's me. <laughs> so, um, at work, it wasn't anything dramatic. I was just walking. And my little old body crumpled. And I hurt my foot. And all of a sudden, my, my left foot just swole up. And it was gross. And it hurt real bad. And it started clicking real bad. And I hated it here. Um, so I... Told my manager, I said, hey, manager, um, I hurt my fucking foot. Help me. And he said, oh, my word. Yeah, that's terrible. Go to urgent care on your break. And I said, okay. He said, do you have any paperwork for me to fill out? And he said, no. And I said, okay. So when I came back, well, when I got sent to urgent care, they sent me to the ER for uh, x-ray and all that fun stuff. So I finally get back to work and I'm like, hey, friends. And he's like, go home. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of very reasonable accommodations for you. Um, it's going to be great. I'm going to handle the paperwork, blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. Four or five days later, I my manager had gone on a family emergency trip. I just didn't trust that he had spoken to anyone about it. So I went ahead and asked another manager, like, hey, friend, um, did you guys like get a report? And they were like, no, what's up? And I was like, surprise. Um, they immediately took a report. They had me write a bunch of statements. They went and took pictures of the place that it happened. Again, it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't slip and fall. I just stepped wrong and my body couldn't handle that, which is fantastic. I love being old. 
I came to find out that because it was not reported within 24 hours that the store itself has a incredibly large fine. I also found out that I should not have been working until I got a specific document filled out by my doctor. Even though they'd filled out their own document that said all of it, they needed it on their dot is a whole thing. So anyway, filed it for workman's comp because it did happen on the job. And recently, I got an email saying that my claim was denied as they had not received my medical records, uh, which was very confusing to me since I was literally sent from work uh, to go back and get those documents. I got them, came right back, handed them back to that manager, and went on my way. Uh, but they didn't receive them, so my claim was denied. And I just feel like... <laughs> This is not a me thing. This is not a my end of the situation issue. So do with that as you will. I'm just a little overwhelmed. Just out here doing your best. Yeah. I just don't appreciate that there was so much secrecy about it. Like, my manager voiced to me that the reason he didn't fill out paperwork was because he had never filled out an incident report before. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that he sent me to urgent care on my lunch break. I feel as if you made a very lateral move when you had to switch jobs. I love it here. She's just out here thriving. How are you managing your overwhelming urge of despair? Thank you for asking. I've just been watching a shit ton of anime and knitting. I have not stopped knitting. I, as you've already heard, knitted a scarf and then also a tiny scarf. And now I'm on another scarf. What are you knitting right now? A scarf. What color is it? Oh, a green scarf. Mmm, that's so nice. Yes. I just, I don't know, like, I can't even sit and enjoy a show at this point because I feel like there's so much anxiety in my body that, like, I have to do something. And I'm doing that something by knitting scarves. Were these scarves made with love? No, they were made with pure anxiety and depression. On top of everything, I'm also on my period. So, like, Ugh. my emotions have been so ass-backwards. No wonder why you want to stab things multiple times. Yeah. yeah. I have been overwhelmed most of my life. Yes. As well as having a kid is just overwhelming. I've taken a lot more just mental breaks, and my husband and I switch on and off a lot just so that we get moments alone to try to collect our thoughts. But that's been hard. Yeah, it's constant. I met with a psychiatrist this week, mm -hmm. and she doesn't have any diagnosis yet, but I guess she has ideas, so she thinks I have a whole personality disorder, which doesn't change who I am at all, but that's no. been just something that's overwhelming to deal with and fucking frustrating. Did she express why she felt that way? Like, what signs? Oh, weird. It's my rejection sensitivity. Oh, no. We've already talked about this. No. We know that I'm rejection, rejection sensitive. Mm -hmm. Three seconds. <laughs> less than. What she talked about was just because you're managing it well now doesn't mean that it's not something that you didn't struggle with before. And she like explicitly said, especially previous to you having therapy, like holding on to friendships and things like that were difficult for you. Yes, you have long-term friendships, but they all live far away. Do you think there's a reason for that? And I was like, oofta. 
coming right at me with that, you bitch. How dare you? That's certainly how I fucking felt. Ma'am, I just met you. You can't call me out on my shit like this. Like, uh, hi. But it was an hour and 15 minute interview, and that was towards the end. So I'm feeling with those big feels. That's been a lot. I mean, it's something that I guess I suspected, which is one of the reasons I didn't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. But it sucks when someone's like, hey, bitch, have you considered you're an entire disorder? And I'm like, yes, I have. Damn I it. just wasn't. I was hoping it wasn't this one. I was just hoping. So we'll see. We'll see about it. If it makes you feel any better, my sister and I have wagers on which one of us will get bipolar. I love that. I love yeah. the bet game going. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, highly sensitive people tend to know a lot about overstimulation And sometimes you just need time alone in your room and your own private space in order to recharge, process, and collect themselves. Overstimulation is something that obviously happens to everybody, but there are also highly sensitive people that overstimulation just affects differently. And that's a lot of people on a neurodivergent spectrum. It's us. It is us. Unfortunately. (laughs) And one way to tell if you are a highly sensitive person according to a therapy page that I'll link in the bio, is no one wants to be seen as highly sensitive. We don't want to be labeled as such because it makes us seem like we're quick to react to being hurt or upset. But there are a few signs. And one of the signs is becoming easily overwhelmed with things like bright colors, Mm -hmm. strong smells, Mm -hmm. coarse fabric, and loud music. You can be easily nervous or rattled when there's a lot to do in a short period of time. Avoiding violent movies or TV shows. Making it a priority to arrange your days in ways that avoid overwhelming situations. And then frequently emotional exhaustion from other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And easy to startle. Ha! Boom. Weird. Often retreat into the dark room, into bed during busy days, and you get hangry easily. Oh, God. (laughs) These are all symptoms of highly sensitive people, as well as ADHD, ADD, and autism. I want you to feel this fabric. This is coarse fabric. This is very coarse. And I want you to know that when I started this, the feeling of the yarn going against itself upset me a lot. And I thought about wetting it down. I've gotten better about it, obviously, because I was able to tune it out. But, like, also, just rub it against itself it, for a No, minute. it makes a weird noise. Doesn't it make you want to die? A little bit. Yeah. I realized that not only my child, but my husband and I all touch clothes before looking at them. Mm-hmm. So as we go shopping, I don't give a shit what this piece of fabric looks like. Mm-hmm. I want to know how it feels on my little skin. And that's a very big symptom of a highly sensitive person. And overstimulation comes in many forms. Sometimes the inability to even just ignore loud sounds, strong smells, and other sensory information. For example, like a police siren or clicking of cash registers or children. Mm. What other things are way too stimmy for you? So one of the things, and I actually relate to your kid a lot in this, and I didn't realize it until after our road trip, I realized that your kid, the whole way there, like, we'd be singing, and then they'd say, I have a headache, stop singing, and and I'm a loud person, I had to sing, and so I'd say, too bad. That's too damn bad, you know? That's too damn bad! But then I started to remember being a kid and being super overstimulated in the car 
with noises, the no- like any noise at all. It felt like if someone was talking, that their words were physical Tetris blocks and they were filling up the car and I couldn't breathe. And I, and I kind of wondered if your kid felt that way. I wondered that as well. When I was little growing up, the mm-hmm. heat in the car made me so nauseous sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so when the heat made me nauseous, well, then the music did and people talking did. And it happened almost every single day driving in the winter and We live in a state of depression with nine plus months of winter. Most of the time I'm overstimulated in the car just from the heat. Or in the summer, you have the windows down and you fucking have air just blasting. Also, if it's the back windows and then you get that bubble, 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 bubble sound. Yes, of course, driving's overstimulating. I bet they did have a headache. But seriously, I have to be able to sing. Yeah. If they can sing, I can sing. At this point, that's how I cope. As a child, I wasn't allowed to. My brother was very annoyed with my singing, which I get. Like, I'm still off-key. I'm so tone-deaf. Like, I understand I was the worst singer that's ever existed in this family. But but that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. It's about, it's vocal stemming. It's helping you Mm -hmm. regulate your emotions in that moment. I vocal stem so much. My child hates it. And I didn't realize how much I did it until my kid is always like, oh my god, shut up. (laughs) And I'm like, here's the thing. (laughs) here's the thing I have to I'm overwhelmed um and as a parent you can't leave the situation so finding other ways to stim to get you more comfortable as you're overwhelmed is increasingly important Mm -hmm. but what happens when you're at work and overwhelmed all the fucking time what can you do nothing (laughs) like true truthfully There have been so many moments where I've been overstimulated at work. And I actually recently got sat down by my manager to say, you should be more happy while you're here. And I'm like, I think it's just a seasonal depression, bud. He's like, you've just been, he goes, that's hard. You've just been in a funk for the last couple of days. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to be here. Sorry. Sorry that the registers have been going off and people are yelling and that one child is screaming. And that you're never here to help. Mm -hmm. Sorry I'm overwhelmed and can't get a break. Sorry I'm losing it. But at least this job lets you wear your loop earplugs. Yes. Which we are not sponsored by loop. And I'd like to fucking be. I would like to be as well. That would be very nice. Imagine a loop earbud for every outfit. That'd be sick. Sometimes a loss of focus can lead to overwhelming, and I get this a lot. Mm -hmm. Things, like if I'm focused on something and doing it, whether it be coloring with my kid, cooking dinner, making a podcast, or just being, when someone interrupts me existing, and I'm like, yo, bro, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. It's a lot all at once, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm thinking, and that's a lot, bro. (laughs) Leave me alone. You get that one too, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it can be just overwhelmed with agitation and irritability, being hangry, being upset, feelings of anxiety, uncontrollable thoughts of worry, negative thought cycle. One thing my psychiatrist is doing is changing my medication because they're worried about OCD with focus on repeating negative thoughts. That's part of what I have, friend. Oh, my word. We We might have some twinsy things going on here. That's how I know that we're best friends. It makes sense that our mental orders might be very similar. (laughs) A general sense of discomfort. I get it. Extreme Mm -hmm. sensitivity to certain types of textures or clothing. Mm -hmm. As Emma's like rubbing her arm so her cotton shirt doesn't touch her right now. No, the best part is that it's because of the... Is it the tag? It's not the tag, it's the seam. 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, those are all things that can really make you feel overwhelmed or overstimulated. Digestive distress, eye strain, heart palpations, lightheadedness. Those are things that I think all of us deal with from time to time. But some of us that are hypersensitive have a very difficult time dealing with anything intense at all. We hate camping. I am so bad at camping. Um, and how can we overcome this? Well, that's what we're trying to fucking do. thing is that I take medication for it, for at least the OCD part. And it helps, but it's still very much so a daily issue. It's not like it just goes away because I pop a pill, unfortunately. Wish it did. Yeah, like at this point, especially at nighttime, which is when I take the meds, a couple hours into it, I'll start to realize that like while I'm doom and glooming and negative thought spiraling, I have the ability to like stop it just by being like, hey, bud, just like in my own head on top of the nonsense. Hey, little buddy, now's not the time for this. It's not. It's time to rest. I've been talking to myself a lot more like I've been talking to my child. Yeah. And we both have a lot of doom and gloom thoughts. Sorry that you're healing have, your inner child. Yes. We ugh, we both have a lot of negative self-talk mm-hmm. that we've had to control. And weirdly, I am doing better than they are. So I get to be the adult in this situation and help them. Terrible. Um, when we get in these negative thought patterns and spirals, we lose our ability to keep having conversations with the family unless we say three things nice about ourselves. And then we can change that thought train and try again. And that can help. I have seen them talk really kindly about them being kind, about them being a good friend, and about them eating all six of their carrots. Thank God. No fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Has the timeline improved at all? Yes. So we also, I'd like to tell you, this has gone great, and it's helped with clocks. So we have a little analog clock that we popped up on an iPad. Clock is timed for 45 minutes, which some of you might think is a very long time for dinner. And you'd be fucking right. It is, but consider it's half the amount of time we were having for dinner. So we set up this timer and at 45 minutes, if they are done with dinner, they can have a dessert. If they are not done with dinner, then slowly and slowly it ticks into their playtime where they could have had 45 more minutes to play before taking a bath. Oops, they done fucked up. Sorry. That's been working really well. We've also been serving carrots first. While I cook the better food Mm -hmm. so that they eat that while they're waiting and it's not the last thing they eat. And between that, we're we're getting it done. That's an improvement. I'll take it. I'll fucking take it. But some of the other ways you can try to limit your overstimulation is by limiting screen time, which is incredibly difficult. And I do mean try. Sometimes doom scrolling is the best thing for your little brain just to like be soothed by bright colors of nothing. Mm. I fucking get it and I like it. Get that little hit of serotonin. That one iota. Mm-hmm. Drip, drip. Yeah, but it's also not healthy for us. And it is overstimulating, especially if instead of just swiping for no reason, you're reading all these doomsday articles. Consider your little doom's brain probably doesn't need that. It kind of makes me think of when I'm already in that doom mindset and then I listen to a nice, sick, sad song. It's just, amazing and I'm crying with Evanescence, but yeah. also... Sorry, I'm a part of this music video now. Oh my god, okay. So, you know when you were little and you used to, like, press your face against the glass? Yes. Like, you're in a music video and just, like, like belt it out? Yeah. I caught my kid doing that the other day. And yes. Every, it was, I was like, oh my god, I get it. 
Full circle. Full circle right here. (laughs) Just let it out, you little storm cloud. What was the song? Even tell you. It might have been a made up one. Even better. The artist inside. I like to think that it's the Tom Steiner. Because they love that song. They've really been working on their voice drop. You can listen to music. That's another great way to be self-soothing with your overwhelming. Finding a safe place truly a safe place that's like a cafe a library or your room like whatever is quiet and safe to you being there for 30 minutes without screen time and just sitting alone with your feelings consciously trying to make them a more positive take well i remember growing up i would usually have like six books lined up to read and whenever I was overstimulated or I was just having a rough time, I would just go to my book, go to my room, disassociate with a book. I wasn't thinking about the feelings, but it wasn't screen time. So it like, screen time it's a win. It, it is. I used reading as my desensitization exclusively as a child. Mm-hmm. I would remember every time there was things going on or whenever I was home, I was reading a book. Mm-hmm. In fact, I read so many books that I won awards for them. And it was so embarrassing at my middle school graduation. They were like, and Hannah won this book award for reading for no reason and taking these tests. And I was like, please don't embarrass me like this. Yeah. Thank you for the memories of all the times that I've been depressed. In front of the entire eighth grade. Yeehaw. I love it here. Yee. I Um, never once got an award at school. I remember at the... End of the years, they would have awards and stuff, and one of the awards was always for, like, no tardiness, no missed days of school, and I would just sit there, like, maybe this year it'll be me, knowing full well that I was out half the year, like... You know what I learned embarrassingly the other day? Hmm. What a 13-year student was. I thought a 13-year student was a kid that got held back, and we were just, like, celebrating them because everyone learns differently, right? What is a 13-year student? Right. A 13-year student is someone that went from kindergarten to 12th grade in the same school. They're including kindergarten, so there's 13 years of school. And it was someone that was, like, just born and raised in the community and stayed there. So 13-year students are students that were stuck in the same school. They weren't held back. (laughs) I thought it's been... 15 like a years since I graduated about, and my, I always thought that those kids were just held back. <laughs> I love that that's where you went. You were like, why are we praising these dumb kids? No, I thought we were celebrating differences in learning. <laughs> I didn't, I thought we were celebrating them. I love you so I thought much. it was a good thing. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess it is. Must be nice. I <sighs> can't relate. I'll tell you that. Another thing that you can do to help with your overstimulation is you can listen to Doing Our Best or other podcasts, audiobooks, playlists, uh, rain sounds is one of my favorite when I'm overstimmed. And then here's the one that I really wanted to talk about. I gotta about. interrupt you right quick. Have you ever heard of brown noise? Not white noise, but brown noise. No, but I'd like to. I'm gonna look a little bit up really fast. Super duper quick. It's super great for people with ADHD. Can you hear it on there? Yeah. Man, that basically is rain noise. Doesn't it, like, instantly calm your soul? Yeah. I have to pee less. <laughs> and this is why listening to your favorite podcast would help, because we play brown noise. Yep, every now and then. You're welcome. And then, oh. and I think this is the most important thing with stimulation, 
is communicating boundaries, mm-hmm. communicating boundaries on how often you can work on what you can do at work on how often you can parent on what you can parent on what you need help from your spouse and support for communicating boundaries on when you can be touched on when you can listen to overstimulating singing in the car. You know, even my kid is good at setting boundaries that way. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you to straight shut up. <laughs> at my work, I recently told everyone that I was autistic. Good. Um, it's about time. It did come up in conversation with a couple of people, and it felt weird having... I work with a small group of people, so it felt weird having, like, half of them know and then the other half not knowing. And I felt like they felt like they couldn't talk about it, and I don't really care. Like, it is what it is. Surprise, I feel like we should all realize it by now. But uh, one of my coworkers, when I said, I got the tism, he said, we know. And I thought that was nice. (laughs) That is very nice. Um, Setting boundaries is healthy in workplaces, in relationships, parentships, friendships, everywhere. My child sings, don't take it personally. That's just a boundary. (laughs) And they're fucking right. It's just a boundary. And people that aren't able to take boundaries well are people that you probably don't want in your life to set boundaries with. Yeah. I'm sure we've all had a family member or a coworker that didn't handle when we set boundaries. I think that it's especially difficult when you set a boundary with someone that you trust and then it gets stepped on. And there's really polite ways to set boundaries, especially when you're talking about family members There's a couple things that you have to kind of think about first, and it's you. You need to think about yourself. I'm going to read a couple ways to set healthy boundaries with family members because I just think it's important in all of our lives. Work is where most of your overwhelming stress comes from right now, but family is also a really big indicator in so much overstimulation, and it can be helped. It will never be fit, but it can be helped with. So things like physical boundaries, it's important to set things like that. But physical boundaries aren't just please don't hug me. Physical boundaries are like personal space, physically taking care of your needs to eat, sleep, rest and drink. Mm-hmm. And people that don't respect physical boundaries shouldn't be in your life. <laughs> There's also emotional boundaries. And emotional boundaries are the personal emotional needs to share your feelings picking up on your energy and sharing details of your life. Sometimes people overshare. We're on this podcast, so it's our job to. I literally fucking made a podcast about me oversharing. But you're also allowed to turn this off. And you're allowed to say, wow, I just don't have the emotional capacity to listen to this bullshit right now. And it's healthy to do that to people. Sexual boundaries. This is like personal consent, desire, and privacy. This is establishing, respecting boundaries around sex, intimacy, and it is essential for partnerships. And then there's intellectual boundaries. And those are the ones that we would accept and validate thoughts and ideas and curiosities and material boundaries. This is saying, no, I don't want to share right now. Mm -hmm. Or things like using houses, cars, and personal items. And it is important to set boundaries with everyone in that, but sometimes family members are harder to set boundaries with when it comes to things so personal because they have assumed ideas on why they are entitled to your personal requirements. In order to set healthy boundaries, first you need to just take your own needs into consideration. 
People who deal with difficult family members frequently find that ignoring their personal needs in favor of their families can lead to overwhelming and overstimulating thoughts. Remember, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. Putting yourself first is a great place to start when determining which boundaries you need to put in place. And you need to value your time and ask others to do the same. Setting boundaries with your time is challenging, especially with family and work. But one way to minimize those conflicts and promote communication is to express your needs and the firmness of your needs and decisions clearly. Practice with me, Emma. You call your dad and forgive him for being a piece of shit tomorrow. Perfect. That's a boundary. (laughs) Thank you for the offer, um, but I simply will have to pass. Take a direct and a kind approach. Understanding how to set boundaries with siblings and other difficult family members starts with a kind approach. If you're nervous or uncertain about taking a direct kind approach, consider practicing what you want to say with a trusted friend or in front of a mirror before practicing it on a family member. You know, I'd like us to still just imagine me calling my father and saying, hey, I forgive you for being a piece of shit. And him being like, I've never once apologized. Yeah. I'm not a piece of shit. And you being like, what do you mean? You are. And I forgive you. I can't even imagine. Here's the thing is I forgive my dad. Like I do. I know that he's made these mistakes because he had unmanaged childhood trauma. He probably has a personality disorder himself. I get that he was out here doing his fucking best. And I forgive him for being a complete failure. But it doesn't resolve the fact that he hasn't made steps to progress to be a better person. And that's why he doesn't belong in my life anymore. If he made steps and got 1% better every single day, I would let my parents back in my life. Well, I think that that's what I don't forgive. That's what I don't forgive is the ongoing choice to continue to be a piece of shit after we've asked them explicitly, can you please be better and kinder to me to be in my life? And they laugh and say, no, Mm -hmm. that is what I don't forgive. That's fair. Setting realistic expectations is a very important boundary setting rule. So unrealistic expectations for a family member. I recently set a boundary with a family member. My child is a little bit more unique looking than what my family is used to. And my aunt commented something fairly negative about my kid. And in the moment, I didn't comment back because I didn't know how to handle it. And I was just going to ignore them and basically cut them out of my life because how fucking dare you? Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with it. But as I sat and I reflected on that for about two weeks, my little heart said, you need to set a boundary and make sure that they know that they are important enough in your life to correct this so that they can stay in it. And when I first started discussing this with my auntie, I said, hey, This is going to be hard for you to hear, but I want you to sit down and know that I basically am telling you this because I love you. And if I didn't love you and I didn't care about you enough, I just wouldn't tell you and we would just be cut off and ended. And so I need you to take this with that grain of salt. And I expressed to them that how they spoke about my child made me incredibly uncomfortable and that we weren't going to do this again. And that if this was something that was brought up again, I'm not going to reinstate my boundary. I will just leave. 
And I felt like that was a fair boundary mm -hmm. to express to a family member. And they were very defensive at first, but eventually they did kind of get it. It was about a 20 minute conversation where it was just me expressing that those are needs that I need to be met and that need to be kind. And it was very kind, but it was very direct. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people that are toxic have a difficult time dealing with direct. Mm -hmm. They said that they didn't understand, but they understood and that... No, I mean, what did they say that caused oh, this? Avoid engaging in gossip. Sorry, they're still dead to me. Avoid engaging in gossip. Um, it's another way to help set boundaries, avoiding engaging in gossip. And I do this at my current workplace and at my previous workplace, I was doing this. And here's how you remove yourself from gossip is simply when someone starts talking to you about another human being, you say, oh, is this going to be a constructive conversation where we can help them? And if they say yes, you can continue it and continue migrating that conversation into a way you can help that person. And if they say no, you say, I'm so sorry, I'm just not able. You set a boundary with your own communication. I'm just not able to communicate about that person unless it's constructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other boundaries have you created in your life? Guess who's back. It's us. It is. Um, some boundaries that I have set. Thank you so much for asking. Did I think about them while you were away? No. no. And that's on me. And I'm terribly sorry. Doesn't sound like you are. Um, truly, I feel like the I'm not great at setting boundaries and vocalizing them. I think that I make boundaries in my little noggin and I stick to them. So for example, a boundary that's in my little noggin is I don't need to have communication with a lot of my family members unless it is an emergency or is in Direct regards to someone like my sister, you know, someone that is an important part of my life. I don't yeah. need to have any communication with them if it is not going to be beneficial in knowing. I just don't feel like I need communication with them unless there is like an, an urgent, issue. an issue, an urgency, something wrong or something good. Like, oh, surprise, your sister's birthday is coming up. We're going to do this. Does that happen? No. Um. So there's that. I actively try not to communicate with them because I have given them several years worth of opportunities of trying and trying again. I have vocalized my boundaries with them as far as space, as far as physical touch. I don't need to hug you. You make me uncomfortable. Um, Good. Vocalizing boundaries on not wanting to be a part of gossip with them on other family members at the end of the day, all of my boundaries were crossed, and I gave up on that to protect myself. And that's a boundary. I don't feel like I need to continue giving up my own emotional and physical well-being to make other people happy when they have done no, nothing to deserve that respect. Yeah. I think... And I think that's why so many more millennials are cutting out family mm -hmm. members and are cutting off friendships is because... We're realizing that there is actually worth under this, under all this bullshit. At the end of the day, I'm so much happier separate. There, Obviously, it still hurts me that I don't have a loving, safe family dynamic. 
and seeing other people have that. But at the same time, every time that I have allowed them in, it has only made things drastically worse. And it's not worth it. It's not. It's not as bad on the other side as it was on the inside. So yeah, there's that. Some stuff that I did pull up was just like some some lovely boundaries for a nice, healthy relationship. I think that uh, boundaries and relationships are super important in the sense of not only being consenting. Obviously, it's a boundary not to put it in my butt if I'm not ready for it, you know? <laughs> not just a, sexual boundaries, though. Yeah, that's that's a safe one, though, is all that I'm saying. That is a safe one. Do not put it in my butthole as a surprise. Surprise. We talked to our child about consent, by the way. I thought you consent. were going to say it about butt stuff. No, we have never talked to our child about butt stuff. I want that to be very clear. Well, yes, and we can cut that out. I just I wasn't sure where you <laughs> were going. Limited. All right, all right, all right. Um, but one of the things that we do talk to them about is age-appropriate consent. And I think one of the easiest ways to bring that up is what do we ask our kids to do before they pet a dog? Is they, uh, We ask them to ask for consent, mm-hmm. permission. We have to have a yes, and it's okay if we say no. And then teaching your kid consent and boundaries by asking them first. You know, mom and dad always have to have the final say for safety and reason, or your guardians have to have the final say. But asking them first, like, hey, can I help you do this? Mm -hmm. Instead of just taking over. And that is teaching them body autonomy as well as consent and boundaries. Body autonomy is a huge thing. I mean, how many times as a child were you forced to hug that creepy uncle? How many many times were you asked to sit in a male uh, family member's lap? Or Santa's. Yep. How many times were you tickled without wanting to be tickled? We even have our kid ask to be tickled. We won't tickle them unless they tell us to. Mm -hmm. And they'll run around the house and say, chase me and tickle me. And that's when we do. And then when they yell stop, that's a boundary. Hands up. Time's done. That's it. Like we're done tickling. And we never had that growing up. We had no bodily autonomy. I know I didn't have any bodily autonomy. My body belonged to my parents basically all through my entire life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to color my hair until I was in high school and did it behind their back. And it's one of the reasons I started working is so I had money to do what I wanted with my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Isn't it great how people have kids and then just own them? No. It disgusts me. They dress them up the way that they want. They make them talk the way that they want. They make them act the way that they want. And if they don't act or talk or dress or look the way that they want, they get punished. Yes. I remember so clearly I wanted to wear choker necklaces and like all black outfits as a little kid. And I was very shunned for showing the little doom and gloom side of me that I had. And I was always encouraged to be happy Hannah. Mm -hmm. I was always encouraged to dress in those bright colors because no other emotion was known how to be dealt with in our family system rather than just happiness. Mm -hmm. Emotions like sadness, self-worth, gloom, depression, anger. Those emotions weren't touched at all. I mean, they were not touched. My family didn't do a bad job. They just didn't do a job. Mm -hmm they instead encouraged happiness. And that is an emotion that I struggle to squash because even my child thinks that I'm happy sometimes when I'm actually really fucking struggling. Mm -hmm. And I have to be like, child, I know that you think I'm happy right now, but I'm actually very disappointed in those behaviors. I just don't know how to alter my face. 
to show how I'm feeling because I would be punished. And I can't tell them that. I feel like vocalizing how you're feeling has also had a huge impact on your kid. And same for them with them expressing it because it's hard to assume. Um, again, I had I had no ability to hide the emotions that I was feeling, but also in general they could tell that something was wrong, but there was no discussion as to why I was upset. Was I sad? Was I angry? Was I scared? Nine times out of ten that I got in trouble for being quote unquote angry, um, I was incredibly sad or I was incredibly uncomfortable or incredibly nervous, just anxiety ridden. And because I didn't know how to deal with those emotions, I just, my face was anything but happy. And so that was bad and I needed to correct it. And that's also a boundary, which makes me so frustrated that your boss says you have to show up happy. No, you don't. You have to treat customers and patients happy but you just have to treat your coworkers with respect. You don't have to fucking smile at them and be delighted to see them every day. Well, at the end of the day, the thing is, is that I do goof off with my coworkers. I do smile and I do make jokes with them, even on my worst days. I just don't talk as much. And I'm a pretty chatty person, so it is, it is obvious when I'm having an off day. Um, but when a customer walks up, I am all smiles and I'm happy to help them. When a patient walks up, I'm pumped up and ready to go. But... That is part of my job. That's what I'm paid to do. It is not their problem that I'm having a rough time and they don't need to know that. that It is what it is. And I'm fine with that. I can put on the face for my job. I can't fill the void with happiness the entire time when I feel like dying inside. When I don't want to be here, I like the amount of money that I'm being paid. There's no amount of money on certain days. It doesn't matter if I was a millionaire, like making millions an hour. I don't want to be here. I still don't want to be here. And not just in this clinic, but like in this fucking world. Like those days, all I want to do is sit in a bathtub in the dark with honestly a glass of wine. That would be nice. And 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 that's it. I I don't want to bathe. I just want to sit in my sad soup and. Ferment. And ferment and not be a person. I just want to be a little sewer rat that no one can see, you know? And that is a healthy boundary for your self-personal care. I think that it's very controversial to, like, take a day off for mental health. Um, I feel like it is... If if most people, if they message their boss and say, hey, I am going through it emotionally, I feel like trash and I want to disassociate into the abyss... Um, they're going to say, hey, we're we're going to need you to show up anyway. Yeah. Um, but you have to smile while you do it. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just to your customers, but to us. Yeah. It's important. For team building, we're one big happy family. I love it wow. here. Pizza parties all day. I expressed to one of my coworkers, I was like, listen, a quote that you've said a lot, and neither one of us was original on this, but I guess they'd never heard it before. I said, listen, I don't dream of working because... I don't want to work. I don't have a dream job because I don't dream of working. Sorry. Yeah. And they were like, wow, that's deep. And I'm like, okay, well. It's not. That same day that that coworker pulled me to the side and was like, how are you doing here? And I was like, honestly, the job is fine. I am just emotionally not okay. And nothing has happened. And that fucking sucks too when nothing has happened. No outside factors are coming in. That you can think of. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's not like a trauma has recently happened. 
No one has died. I haven't discovered some traumatic story in my past. It just It's just the usual stuff that bubbles over. Consider some of us have such filled plates when we enter our adulthood with trauma that it often spills over, yes. which is maybe why those are highly sensitive peoples. I do be highly sensitive. I would also like it to be known that I don't remember where I was going with that. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Well, what else has gone on in your life? Anything good? Oh, my lovely baby boy, Mm -hmm. Edwin. Oh, yes, I'd like to know about Edwin. Oh, our puppy got the shits, and he had explosive diarrhea out of both sides of his kennel. And that was a day where I was extremely depressed, so I waited in bed until I had 15 minutes to get ready, and that included getting dressed, makeup, hair brushed, teeth brushed, um, and then also letting the dogs out, feeding them. So clearly I wasn't prepared for a blowout. Obviously it was on him as well. So I had to message my manager and say, excuse me, good kind sir, Um, I'm dealing with a shit storm over here. I'm going to be a little bit late. Uh, So I had to scrub down my house. I had to scrub down the dog. And then I had to scrub myself down because that's disgusting. Um, And then get ready to go to work. Um, I did end up taking my dog to the vet later that day. I took a half day because when I came home from lunch, he had had another accident and was also vomiting. Aren't kids fun? They're incredible. Um, So he started taking a medication to stop him from vomiting and a medication to stop him from shitting. Um, And so obviously his body had a little panic attack with that. And how did he respond to being overstimulated? Thank you for asking. Um, He had to sit in my lap the entire time we were at the vet because that was scary. Same. He did have a parvo test and we were quarantined in the car until it came back. But they came out to my car and I had to hold him ass out the window for them to put a swab in his asshole. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Unlike his brother, he did not like it. He was cleared. So anyway, we went inside. For the rest of the day, he napped really hard. (laughs) But that's all. Yes. Max a fucking loot. I have to clarify for the podcast is that my older dog, my oldest son, he's uh, gay. He's gay. He loves a fluffy boy. Um he likes it in the butt. He likes to flip male dogs on their back, twist them around, and then 69. Um that's his signature move. He loves it. He he it's who he is, and that's it works his boundary. every time. It does. Anyway, his first vet visit and every vet visit after, if they've ever checked his temperature, you know that's going right in his butt and he just wags his little tail. He's, He's having a grand time. looks forward to getting it in his butt at the vet. Honestly. I love him so much. I love him for who he is. Um, Edwin, I feel like it's too soon to say how he yeah. identifies, but he does hump his brother. I think he's still very into dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know, just like playing with dinosaurs. Nugget. Nugget is a... F- a womanizer. Well, yeah. Yeah. Nugget will flirt with any dog, mostly males, but she does swing in the other way. And by I mean swing, Nugget, in all 12 of her years, will swip those arthritic hips into mm-hmm. another dog's face until they sniff her butt the way she likes it. And she will her. also mount them if they are not fast enough to mount her, but she does try to get herself in position immediately. I like that she's a switch. She is a switch hitter. Yeah. Zoe, I think, is pretty interested in just boys. Mm-hmm. Lord Nibbler is very focused also on dinosaurs. 
I don't know if that dog will ever mature enough to have a sexual identity. Yeah. And that's okay. I think their sexual identity is... Wow. Yeah. A dog. Nibbler is attracted to paint chips. Very attracted to paint chips. I think Nibbler yeah. is very attracted to potatoes, carrots, mm-hmm. really anything on the ground. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anything that they can, like, snuff and get their dog drool on is what Nibbler gets boners about. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. She might be a human sexual. There it is. She really likes people. But other dogs, it's just, it's rough. I rough. love that she snaps with her little three Um, We're just out here. Doing our best. Doing our fucking best, you guys. And we just want to say thank you. We are now in 23 countries. We are spread throughout Instagram, Facebook. Platforms. Yeah. We now have intro music. We have ads. We have fan art. And what we're missing is your stories. We're missing your stories, your shares, and we're missing you. So if we're looking for like contribute. two more listening tales. Yes. And we would love to add that into the repertoire of your listening. Otherwise, that's what we're looking for, homegirls and boys. The they's, the them's, the gays. This is what we need. Keep listening. Keep doing your best. To Set your boundaries. Set your fucking boundaries. And one of my boundaries is you listen and download. We love you so much. Uh, bye. Bye. I try to think, but it hurts my brain. Do I have an abortion and a fine champagne? I'm a Jezebel. I'm a wicked witch. I'm an ugly, nasty, comedy bitch. Weekends when I want some fun. Castrate a man. Take away his guns. Drive a classic car into a ditch. I'm an ugly, nasty, comedy bitch. Well, I know I am, but what are you? Some fascist bootleg Nazi tool, whiny boy with a tiny dick, or a dumb fuck redneck backward hick. Did I get it right? Have I pegged you yet? Maybe we don't.